Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it's our final show of the week here leading up to Packers-Rams on Sunday afternoon from Los Angeles, the Coliseum, 3.25 p.m. Central Time kickoff. And on our final show of the week, we always focus on the keys to victory. Now, with the Packers at 3-2-1 and and the Rams at 7-0, and the Packers have to do a lot of things well in order to come away with a big road victory here. Where do you want to start? Throw the records out of it. Okay. That's the first thing you got to do. Uh, it has to be 0-0 zero zero versus 0-0. Zero zero. You can't look at what the Rams have done, the stats, everything that you've seen so far, the defensive player of the year, the offensive player of the year, the production, all of that. It's all about one game at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum and being the better team on that day. That has to be the focus. I thought in our final vi- our final thoughts video, not to give any way any spoilers, but you made such a great point. Aaron Rodgers needs to be the best player on the field that day. Yep. I think the Packers need to win the early first and down, second down situations. Offensively, get yourself in second and manageable. Get yourself into third and short in those instances. And defensively, you have to be able to stop Todd Gurley. That's where it starts. They're going to get their plays. They're going to get their production. And they'll probably get their points. But you have to be able to contain him. The more he goes off as a pass catcher, as a runner, the harder and longer that day is going to be. But it all starts, in my opinion, Michael, with not looking at underdog, not looking at you know lines, looking at the opponent that's in front of you and figuring out a way to beat them over the span of four quarters. Yeah, I think what you say about the early downs really is important on both sides of the ball here because when you look at what Todd Gurley does for this offense, we've heard all week long about all of the the misdirection and keeping your eyes in the right place and all of these kinds of things as far as defensively, how you try to contain this Rams team. Well, that all starts with the way Todd Gurley runs the ball and how they set up play action off of that running game. So as you said, if you can win the early downs and get them into more of a drop back passing team as opposed to a play action passing team, that gives your defense at least a little bit more of an advantage to try to stay with those weapons, try to get after Jared Goff and and disrupt him a little bit, maybe get him, uh, get his timing uh, a little bit disrupted. On the other side of the ball with the Packers, We mentioned it earlier this week because Aaron Rodgers brought it up. The inordinate number of third and longs, the third and 11 pluses, the third and 15 pluses that the Packers have been in. Hey, that all comes down to, again, winning on first and second down. It's about getting the running game going. It's about cutting down on the penalties. It's about cutting down on the sacks. Whatever the negative plays that have happened that have put the Packers in in those situations, those are the things that, that, that have to be cleaned up because, boy, I tell you, this pass rush, Aaron Donald, four sacks, you know, as part of a, a seven sack effort against the San Francisco 49ers. You don't want to be in third and 11 plus against anybody, but against this pass rush and this defense and on the road, that's a that's a potential recipe for disaster. You don't want to let Aaron Donald, you don't want to let Sue be able to jet rush up the middle. You yeah. have to be able to keep them honest. You can't let them just jumping off the snap of the ball and trying to get in the backfield. That is the recipe for success when you look at their defense and how they're able to affect the quarterback. And honestly, Mike, kind of affect the running game, too, of the opposing team. I think that's what makes them pretty special is that they are disciplined, they are explosive, and they don't get out of their gaps. Uh, and, and, but the, the one thing I do think about a lot when I go into this game when I was you know, looking more and more at the matchup is the fact that I, I do believe it does start with the run for the Packers. Uh, not only because Mike McCarthy's been talking all week about the, the need to get more touches to the backs, but... 
Also, when you look at the Rams, I mean, the teams that have been able to have success, at least in terms of moving the ball, have been able to win those early down situations. They're 12th right now in total run uh, against the run. Everything else they do is top 10 uh, in those major statistical categories. So uh, they have to be able, the Packers have to be able to, to move the ball a little bit and ease the burden on Aaron Rodgers in those yep. tackles because – I think with this game, one of the other things that really a lot of people are talking about, and I could end up being completely wrong on this, and if I am in the press box, you can tell me I'm an idiot on game day, but <laughs> I think there's a good chance this could be a road, a home road game for the Packers. Oh, there are going to be we, a lot of Packers fans there. There's no question about that. The people I've talked to, it's an 85, 90,000 seat uh, a venue. I, I heard a lot of stuff, Mike, uh, on secondary market, people talking about how the week – Earlier in the week after at the Coliseum, those tickets are going for anywhere from like 30 bucks to 90 They're well into the three figures for this matchup with the Packers. There's a lot of cheeseheads out on the West Coast, and there's a lot of guys out there and gals as well that don't get to watch them play a lot. Right. So if that environment, if you can get that on your side early on, whether it's the run, whether it's the pass, whether it's just some good stops early on, there's a chance to really ride some momentum because when I look at those games so far in Washington and Detroit, those crowds were able to get into it early. And that is not a good thing when you're going on the road trying to you know, pull the upset. Yeah, and as much as I agree with you about what the Packers need to do with their running game and easing the burden as much as they can on Aaron Rodgers, I still think it does come down to Aaron Rodgers being the best player on the field Absolutely. on Sunday. We've seen... We've seen these types of games before, Wes, where whether it's against a division rival like the Minnesota Vikings, where a guy like Adrian Peterson or a guy like Harrison Smith on defense has clearly been the best player on the field that day, the guy who tilts the field. We've seen it with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers when, you know, as we brought up earlier this week, the 2012 game at Houston, when Houston had J.J. Watt and that defense and Arian Foster was the league's leading rusher at the time and the Texans were 5-0 and and Aaron Rodgers went in and threw six touchdown passes and was hands down the best player on the football field that night in Houston. The Packers need... Aaron Rodgers to be that guy that tilts the field in this game because Aaron Donald is the reigning defensive player of the year and he's tied currently for the league lead in sacks. Todd Gurley is the reigning offensive player of the year. He is currently the league's leading rusher. Jared Goff has a passer rating right now that is above 110. He's in the MVP conversation in this midseason uh, stretch here with the Rams being undefeated. Aaron Rodgers has to be that guy who gets it done for the Packers on Sunday. And if he's got all of his weapons on offense, if the Packers are in better shape on defense in the secondary, as we talked about on our last show with the injuries and hopefully health-wise things coming around, this is going to give their Packers give the Packers their best shot. Yeah, and, and another thing that they'll be able to do, regardless of what the game plan is, regardless of how on things unfold, but if you're able to get Aaron Rodgers going, if you get him comfortable early, you get them moving the ball offensively, what's the number one thing that happens to the Rams' defense? It's right up there. <laughs> they start thinking. Yeah. And the Packers, they have a checkered past here with Wade Phillips. You look back to what happened against Dallas in 2010, that was the last game he coached uh, for, for the Cowboys. Cowboys. Yep. Then you look at what happened, I believe it was 2015, and that, that performance that he had with the Denver Broncos and what he was able to do in that game. Both sides have won in this rivalry with yep. him. He's one of the brightest, uh, one of the most longest tendered uh, defensive minds in this game, and he's found a way to make those pieces fit in with the Rams. They've had, you go back, Mike, what they're doing offensively, this is relatively new. 
there was a lot of years where they were struggling to get points. There was a lot of years where they were struggling to move the ball downfield. But defensively, they've always had some playmakers. Yep. I think what Wade Phillips has brought to them is a vision of where they need to be and what they can do with these guys. How can Aaron Donald take over football games? What can he do to make the entire team better? And they felt like Sue was obviously a part of that. Michael Brockers, he has a role in that defense. He knows what his job duty and his responsibilities are. They play well within the scheme, and it's going to be on the Packers. When you look at it, going out there and trying to set the tone early, to make those defenders start to think. Because I think that's where they've had success in these matchups lately. They started making the 49ers think in that matchup during that rally. They started making the Chicago Bears think when they go back to that opener and what they were able to do. Yeah. You can't let them get into a groove. Yeah, and let's see here with, with the Los Angeles Rams. They are 7-0. and Yes, they've won some close games, but have they had to come from behind? No. Ha- have they have they played from 7 points down or 10 points down at any point in a ball game? You know, the Packers have been talking about can they get out can they get out to a fast start? You flip the script a little bit on an undefeated team that that is rolling and is winning in a certain way. If you get them out of their get them out of their game just a little bit, then uh, you know, suddenly in the fourth quarter, there you are with a shot for the upset. It's a great point, Mike. And the the other thing you can't dismiss either Jared Goff is playing some good football right now, yeah, he but is. he's still a third-year quarterback. You look at what Denver did to him, 50% completion percentage, had a turnover, got sacked five times. There is a blueprint there, but the thing you have to make sure you do, and I've discussed this all week, you can't forsake defending Todd Gurley yeah. to do that. Because Gurley's the guy who won that game for them. Because then Gurley's the guy that won that game. Yeah, That's the balance, that's the challenge. And that's the chess match going into the Coliseum on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, no question about it. Well, quickly, a little sponsor business here, Wes. It's time to enter the Cousin Subs Best Seats in the House promotion. You and a guest could win a chance to kick back on the 50-yard line in style. Two pairs of lucky Packers fans will be chosen prior to each home game for this VIP experience. Enter daily now through December 16 by completing the entry form and submitting. For complete rules and eligibility, go to Packers.com slash Best Seats Cousin Subs. We believe in better. Okay, we talked about it at the top of the show here, the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. I've done a little bit of research this week, Wes, on the Packers history with some help from team historian Cliff Crystal, who has covered some games at the Los Angeles Memorial You never Coliseum. did, right? I never have, yeah. and uh, and you never have No, either. I've been to D- Disneyland out there, but I haven't okay. been to the Coliseum. The Packers have not been to the L.A. Coliseum since 1990 when they played a game against the then L.A. Raiders there. They have not played the I Rams. That game. They have not played the Rams. No, you didn't. I was two. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't played the Rams at the Coliseum in 40 years. I don't 19, remember that game. 1978 was the last time. Here's an interesting piece of the history here of the Packers at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, and it's not a good one, Wes. The Packers have played 30 games there in their history. Back through the 40s and 50s, they played out there, and through most of the 60s, they played out there every year. The Rams were in what was then the Western Conference before the whole alignment into divisions. So the Packers had a game at the Coliseum every year. The Packers have only won two games in their history at the Coliseum when they're not coached by Vince Lombardi. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. Vince Lombardi went 7-2-1, and one, including Super Bowl One, the big victory over the Chiefs at the L.A. Coliseum. <coughs> Vince Lombardi went 7-2-1 and one in 10 games at the Coliseum. The Packers have played 20 other games at the Coliseum with other coaches. 
two and eighteen. Yes, that's true. It's ugly. It's ugly. I, I'm, I'm going to counter with one thing. Okay. So then that was what? That was before 1959. Right. And after 1970. Right. So there's some, some right. lean no, years there. You're you're, ab- you're absolutely you're absolutely right. But, you're yeah. absolutely right. But it's it's when you look at when you look at it statistically, you're just like, yeah. what in the world? And was Lindy Infante bringing him out there a day early to get uh, acclimated to the weather? Infante, as well? he actually won the game against the Raiders really? in 1990. That was that was the They're second. They're on a winning streak. That was that was the the last time the Packers were in that building. <laughs> that was the second victory by a non-Lombardi coached Packers team out there. That's impressive. So, yeah. Well, I you know I missed that in my American history class. <laughs> <laughs> when I was at Bayport, but what is impressive though about this going back, I I don't know how you feel about it, but I really am big on on sports history and and being able to get to all these stadiums, and I I think it is pretty cool that we get to check it off at least my bucket list. Oh in yeah, terms of absolutely being able to cover for me a too. Football game yeah. there, in what very well could be with them building that massive stadium, it end up might being the last and only time we get an opportunity to do that. Um, but it was interesting. You, you worked on the story, but it was interesting hearing some of these guys discuss it this week that yeah. have played there, like Kenny Clark saying it sort of has a medieval vibe to it a little bit with the clock and the old school sort of architecture. And uh, Clay Matthews, Nick Perry certainly have a long storied history there as well. It's a different type of venue, yeah. and it's going to be interesting to see exactly uh, how the Packers react to it because I really, honestly, Mike, there isn't too many that are like it in the NFL in terms of how it's built and how it's structured. Yeah. Well, here's a positive turn to the history there because Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers actually played a rather memorable game in that building. If you go back to 2004, there was a piece in the LA Times this week because I think the reporters there got Rodgers on a conference call right, sure. and they asked him about it. Back in 2004, Rodgers is the quarterback They got the Rodgers on a conference call? I think they did. We couldn't. Okay. I think right. they did. We didn't get anybody. We got Sean McVay. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, the Cal Bears were ranked seventh in the country. They were going into the Coliseum to play number one ranked and defending national champion USC. And unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers and Cal did not pull out the victory, but Rodgers actually completed 23 consecutive passes in that game, wow. which at the time not only set a Cal school record, but tied the NCAA record at the time for consecutive completions. And at one point in that game, Wes, he was, and this is according to the LA Times story I read, he was 29 of 31, and the two incompletions were throwaways when he had to get out of the pocket. Now the game came down to Rodgers ended up driving the Bears down. I believe they got into a goal-to-go situation right in the final moments. They were down by six points, and then there was a sack and a play where Rodgers' primary receiver like slipped in the end zone when he was trying to make a cut to get open, and, uh, and it threw off the timing, and, and the pass was incomplete, and the number one ranked USC Trojans escaped with, with a six-point victory. But... Um, Aaron Rodgers, he was quoted in that L.A. Times story. He remembers that game, and you know his memory. He, he was going through play-by-play play and all this, talking to those reporters. And um, um, so he's going to have a, a certain memory, I think, when even though it was 14 years ago, when he walks into that building on Sunday, it would be interesting to see how he performs. Yeah, it will be, and, and certainly there's a lot of matchups there with the Pack. Was that the Pack 10 at the time, or that wasn't the 12 yet, was it? I don't add that, that part but, of the timeline, I'm yeah, not sure. They st- might have been the Pack 12 in 2004. But you know what how what those rivalries are like in California. Kenny Clark was talking about it, too, you know, with UCLA and what they were trying to build there, and 
in SC is always kind of seen as one of the big dogs and, and, and sort of being everyone else is kind of trying to be the underdog to what they're offering to the table. In Rodgers, that doesn't surprise me at all. That's complete news to me. I don't recall that story, but the fact that he was as accurate as he was and as effective as he was. And I know there were some, some uh, you know, challenges there trying to, to, to lift up California during that time. But, you know, you look at the quarterback he's become and, and where he's taken his game from there. It's always interesting when you can look back and see the signs of that kind of success. Sure. Certainly there's adjustments you have to make and, and refinements to a game to succeed at this level. But in the end, you always kind of are who you are. And, and for him to have a performance like that and be as accurate as he is, it does kind of uh, really speak to uh, his level of consistency and what he's brought to Green Bay now for the last 14 years. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a historic day for the Packers, first time back in that building in, uh, in quite some time. And as you said, you and I get to kind of chalk another stadium. I mean, this is a stadium that you know has hosted Olympic Games right. and all kinds of other things, uh, you know, historic as a sports venue, not just as a... Uh, as a football stadium, but uh, you know the USC UCLA matchups that yeah. have taken place there, and and uh, you know the, the, just the history of the USC football program, and and some of the things that have that have gone on there, aside from the Rams and the Raiders, and and when they've played. So, uh, um, and it, as you said, probably the last the last opportunity because they're building a what sounds like a absolutely amazing new stadium yeah. for both the uh, the Rams and the Chargers out in Los Angeles, and uh, and with the Packers not necessarily playing those teams on a regular basis this is probably uh probably the one opportunity for us you would think so uh and, and that's why i thought it was kind of neat especially ushering in this new era of having football back in los angeles uh and being able to to go out there and and uh, cover some games i mean it's it's really interesting mike because you and i both know what this is like we go to Washington, what, four times in a span of three years, and <laughs> you sort of get to know these areas yeah. and, and where we're yeah, at. Yeah, get used to it. Los Angeles, I honest to goodness, I've been there twice and three times now in my lifetime. I you know, I don't know it very well, so it's always neat to be able to get a new experience. And, and for me personally now, Mike, I think I'm down to NRG. I think that's the only stadium I haven't been at. Okay. I uh, haven't in covered Houston. a game yet at Lucas Oil, but I've not been to NRG at all. So okay. um, what is that going to be, two more years? I'll check that one off. 2020. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, yeah we, would, we would go we would go to Houston there. So I, I've actually, uh, I don't think, maybe my parents would correct me on this depending on travel as a youth, but I don't think I've actually ever been to Los Angeles except for going through the airport, like yeah. changing planes kind of thing. It's actually a city that I've never visited. So I'm looking forward to just uh, not only for what sounds like 80 degree weather, but just getting out and walking around and, and checking it out. The city itself is incredible. Uh, talking to some people who live down there, they basically say you have to you know, pick out an area where you want to live and that's kind of your community because you're not going to be able to get anywhere else in a you know a, a meaningful time you know time sensitive fashion yeah. so uh, but but it's cool and it's it's neat to be able to have that experience and, and I'll be honest with you Mike there'll be a moment or two I'll take before the kickoff on Sunday to sort of appreciate what we're looking at and in the fact that uh, with that storied history you were discussing you know, that might be the, the final chapter with them at uh, the Coliseum. Yeah, all right. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition and this week of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of Sunday's game from beautiful L.A. on Packers.com on Twitter. He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.